welcome and thank you for tuning in to the Grace Assembly of God Sermon Podcast. Grace exists to help people discover a life of purpose in Jesus Christ through discipleship and serving one another. If you would like additional information, visit us online at www.graceofbelair.com. Again, thank you for joining us and enjoy this week's message. Good morning, everybody. If you have a Bible, you can turn with me to actually two different uh, passages of Scripture today. If you have uh, want to take notes that are in your program that you're handed in or even on the YouVersion Bible app, uh, you can look at that um, today and mark some things down that maybe the Lord speaks to you directly. Um, and so we're going to be in Matthew chapter 13. We're also going to be in John 18, um, which we're going to be talking uh, about uh, a particular man uh, that is known in the Bible that we've been doing a series on uh, characters throughout the Bible. And today we're going to be coming to a man named Peter. And Peter is uh, one of the disciples of Jesus, walked with Jesus during his time of ministry here on earth and got to see a lot of things. And, and so we're going to be uh, looking at his life, how God used his life and some of the things that he had to walk through as an individual um, really is encouraging um, and it's challenging to say the least. But, uh, you know, the title of the message, it's been a long day. I don't know if you've ever had one of those, right? You've had a really, really long day, um, maybe at work. And some of you don't look at your spouse, but some of you have had a long day, maybe at home and, uh, and maybe at, you know, wherever it may be, a situation or something came up and it's just been a long day, right? And for Peter, he had a long day. I've had long days. I remember growing up, uh, and when I was in college, actually, I painted during the summertime, and I was new, and so we had come up to this nice, beautiful house, really big house, and really nice deck that had just freshly been painted, a dark brown color, and so we we're going to be painting the house siding white, and so we we're going to, uh, so I was a new guy, so I had to go and run to the trailer, grab the equipment, and bring it over to the guys who were up on the ladders and stuff, and as they were painting, and so I had to go and get some paint, and, and so I brought it to them, and have you ever tried to hand something to somebody, and you thought they had it, and you looked away, and you let go? Um, so I'm on the deck, and this beautiful brown, dark brown deck um, that looked like it was brand new, and so the guy was on the ladder. I went up and just handed him the paint, uh, and I looked away, and it, it just went down all over the nice, wonderful deck. It was white, and so it did not mix well with that deck. And so I spent the, that whole day and, uh, and then some uh, cleaning up the mess that I had created. Um, you know, and then, you know, there's been long days. When I, when I was in college, I also uh, played on the basketball team there. And uh, there were several games where if the coach didn't like the way we played, we would get into the locker room after the game and he would say, put your practice gear on. And I knew what that meant, it was going to be a very, very long night. And so he would quickly escort everybody out of the building, and it would just be him and us. And so it was a delight. No, it was pretty terrible. That meant we were going to run a lot. Um, and so there's been plenty of long days that maybe you've had in, in your life. And I can't think of somebody who's had a, a very, uh, very challenging long day like Peter had. And from any person in the room, if you've whether you uh, know a whole lot about the Bible, maybe even following the Lord a long time, whether you're new to the faith, you know a little bit about Peter, or you 
are thinking, you know, Peter might be somebody's cousin in the room. It's fine. We're going to learn something today from, from this story of a man named Peter and to describe his story. Everybody knows, a lot of people know, about his denial of Jesus Christ. That's the thing that people tend to focus a lot when it comes to Peter's story. And, and so we've, you know, if you would look at that whole story, if you were to summarize that whole story, you know, we know Peter um, is married. He has a wife because we see in the, one of the scripture passages, Jesus heals his mother-in-law. And so I can just imagine Peter coming home and explaining to his wife this particular day of what just happened, right? Can you imagine Peter explaining this particular day uh, where he denies Christ to his, to his spouse, you know? Hey, honey, how's your day? Well, you know, it started off okay, and then Jesus started talking about leaving us, and then, um, and then you remember Judas? He's been in our house. We've had food with him. We've done vacations together. Yeah, apparently he's gonna be betraying Jesus, and, you know, and then the, he had the audacity to tell me that he, I was gonna deny him three times, and, uh, and then after that, we had our meal together. We went to this garden. You know the garden we always go to. Jesus loves that place. He loves that restaurant, and so he always goes there. And, you know, so we're hanging out, having a good time, and then the mob, this mob shows up out of nowhere wanting to arrest Jesus. And, and, and by the way, honey, I may have cut off a guy's ear while that was all happening. And so, um, you know, and then all of a sudden, but don't worry, honey, Jesus healed him. He was fine. The guy walked away fine. And so, and then, you know, we, I eventually found my way to where Jesus is being tried. And yeah, I ended up telling three different people that I maybe don't know Jesus at all. And so I did that three times. And so truth came, the truth came, actually came out from what Jesus had told me earlier. And now he's been crucified. And so how, how many know that's a long day for a guy who, you know, his world just came crashing down in one particular day. I mean, it just all fell apart. And it's easy for a lot of people who maybe know the Bible to fast forward and kind of see Peter's life and see what he did, see what he accomplished after this. But we have to understand that it, it, it wasn't, that Peter could not recognize that mo- those moments during this time. All he knew was he failed. All he knew was, Jesus is, is gonna die on the cross and I couldn't even stand with him when he needed me most. That's all he knew at that moment. So rather than fast forwarding our brains to the person we see Peter become, let's be reminded that Peter didn't know that's what he would become eventually. He just knew at this moment, at this time, he failed, he failed Jesus, the one that he had been with, the one that he, you know, he thought he had to be you know, Jesus' best friend. He thought he had to be the guy, the one that everybody looks to. And, and so we see all this happen uh, in Peter's life, and we'll take a, a look at some of it. But before we do that, I wanna look at a particular passage, a parable Jesus uses, because we're gonna look today in this, it's gonna really set the base for uh, what we're trying to talk about here, about Jesus being able to use both the good and the bad in this world. And, and so we're gonna look at it. Let's go to Matthew uh, chapter th- uh, 13 verses 24 through 30. It's called the parable of the weeds. And we're going to read what this parable Jesus makes. And he describes the kingdom of God in everyday circumstances. I love it because it gives us a visual of what the, the kingdom of heaven is like, what, what God's kingdom is like. And he explains it to us in this particular parable. One of the parables he uses here he says, Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field, but while 
everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did these weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned, then gather the wheat and bring them into my barn. And from this, Jesus is using an everyday example from this particular time that they would understand this simply for for them to be curious about how God is able to use both the good and the bad to bring about his purposes. And it's such a, it's a cool thing uh, to look at. When, when he's talking about this man sowing seed, he's talking about himself. But then he's, when it talks about this field, he's talking about the world. But then we look at the enemy who comes and tries to uh, basically destroy everything. And he has people who will come to the point of where they embrace the evil. They embrace the fact that they want to destroy the church just as much. But what is interesting is that he's talking, Jesus is, is talking about how the owner knows there are weeds and the enemy has done this. And then the servants, they want to pull it up right now because they see it. And the owner says, not yet. Until harvest time, then we will distinguish the good from the bad. But this is such an interesting thing because this is a particular weed that they would be familiar with. The zanzanion is a, it's a particular weed that would grow with the wheat. And in fact, the early stages, it has poisonous seeds, but at the early stages, it looks like wheat until harvest time. And when it's harvest time, they would able, whoever would pick that wheat, they would able to distinguish the good and the bad, and they would able to separate. But they had to wait until harvest time. This is a story Jesus is using to simply illustrate to say that regardless of what may happen in your life and regardless of what the enemy tries to do to destroy your life and the purposes that God desires to do in and through you, God can use both sides. If you wanna look at examples, I mean, look at Joseph. We've looked at him in his story. We've looked at Job. These guys had, had bad situations happen to them. Joseph got, uh, basically his brothers got jealous of him because their, their father favored him more. And so what does, what happens? Joseph gets sold into slavery because of his brothers. But then Joseph goes to Egypt and through a number of different situations, rises to second in power only to see a worldwide famine that Egypt was prepared for, but nobody else was. And then his family shows up in Egypt and because he's there, his family survives. And we look at Job. We see a man who had a lot but then lost everything because the enemy attacked his life, wanted him to curse God and die, basically. But then we see God bless him and and give him more than what he had before. God took a bad situation and brought about a greater purpose. God can use both. And then we see like a person named Judas. I mean, Jesus said, you know, that one of you is a devil. I mean, if one of the 12 disciples was a devil, who is he referring to? Judas. And yet Jesus kept Judas around. Wow. He kept him around. Because why? Because even though Judas was given plenty of chances to change, Judas didn't change. And Judas 
ended up betraying Jesus, which led to Jesus's arrest, which then leads to Jesus's crucifixion, which you don't have the resurrection without the crucifixion. And so God was able to use both sides. This is fascinating how God can use both. He can use the good and the bad. And not just over all this parable, but he can use even the good and the bad in our life. The things that you're not proud of, the things that you're ashamed of, the things that maybe were in your past that you get reminded of, or the things that you're currently going through, current situations that don't seem to be going away anytime soon, and they seem to be getting worse, God can use both the good and the bad. And we see this from from, uh, Peter's life as we would look at this, this parable of weed, um, not Okay, weeds, don't be thinking about smoking any weeds. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the parable of weeds. There we go, plural. Um, People are trying to legalize it. We're talking about the parable of weeds, okay? We're not talking about that stuff today. That's for another day, amen. All right, so we are looking at John 18, and Peter is gonna have a very, very, very long day. But it's through this that Peter is going to start to see a side of Jesus that he has not seen before. And it's really a a side of God that he has not experienced before. And from it, because Jesus would say this, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. What I do is what I see the Father doing. And so this is a picture of who God is. But ultimately, he's trying to get Peter to believe what he has told him. The, the, things, the two things we're going to point out is a very, very simple. God is for you. How many know it's easy to believe God is for you when things are going good? But when it's going bad, it's hard to believe God is for you, right? It's hard to believe God is for you when you have a health crisis or somebody else does. It's hard to believe God is for you when you don't have a job. It's hard to believe God is for you when you have doubts. It's hard to believe that. It's hard to believe any of it. Because why? Because you're, you're dwelling on something and you don't understand it, and, you, and a lot of times you just gotta remind yourself, God can use both to fulfill his purposes. And this is what we read. Let's, if we would actually go to John 13, it'll be on the screen for you. Uh, we're gonna read John 13, verses 37 through 38, if we can pull that scripture up. But this is just something that we need to, to illustrate, if we can, John 13, about really a, um, what is happening is, is this idea that Peter is told by Jesus uh, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. And then Jesus responds in this verse 38. He says, will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly, I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And I always ask myself, why did Jesus reveal that? What was the purpose? Why would you tell something like that? Because it doesn't sound very good, right? It's not good news, Jesus. Why are you telling me that I'm gonna disown you three times before the night is over because Jesus is gonna show Peter a side of God that he does not seem to understand yet is that God can use the good and bad in Peter to bring about his purposes, even the things he fails at. Because Peter had an understanding that I need to be invincible. That was the expectation that he placed on himself and probably people placed on him. And Jesus said, I never put that on you. So why are you living that way? That you need to be invincible. Now let's go to John 18, verses 15 through 18, which is where the first denial takes place in in John 18. It says, Simon Peter and another disciple were following Jesus. Because this disciple, referring to John, was known to the high priest, he went with Jesus into the high priest's courtyard. In verse 16, but Peter waited outside 
at the door. The other disciple who was known to the high priest came back, spoke to the servant girl on duty there, and brought Peter in. In verse 17, you, are one, you aren't one of this man's disciples too, are you? She asked Peter. He replied, I am not. And in verse 18, it says, it was cold. The servants and officials stood around a fire. They had, him, they had made to keep warm. Peter also was standing with them, warming himself. This is so important to, to know that Peter didn't know everything about himself. He thought he did, but he didn't. Because there comes a point in a person's life where you can fall into the danger of thinking too highly of yourself. For Peter, he was thinking too highly of himself. On the other hand, it's also important not to think too low of yourself. Because the very fact that Jesus died on the cross for you shows how much value he has for you. How much he loves you. So it's good to not think too highly of yourself but also don't think too low of yourself because he created you. I think a lot of people know not, they're, oh, yeah, I know, I don't want to be arrogant, I don't want to be prideful, but then you start thinking so low of yourself that it's a slap in the face of your creator because he's created you, he's designed you, he loves you. He thought it was so important, he came on the cross to die for you. I mean, so don't undervalue yourself at the same time. But it's also important for Peter to recognize not to think too highly of yourself. And so I would ask this question. I don't know where your brain's gonna go, but I know the Holy Spirit's gonna direct it. What expectation have you placed on yourself? What expectation has somebody placed on you? And ask yourself, did Jesus place this on you as well? A lot of times what happens is we start making decisions, we start saying and doing things that because of the expectation somebody has placed on us, not because of what Jesus has placed on us. Peter was needed to understand to abide in Jesus. That's the thing Jesus said to do. Abide in me. Peter, I don't need you to be invincible. I need you to be Peter. I have a purpose and a plan for you, and I don't need you to live out somebody else's purpose. See, you can only know your purpose when you're in the presence of God. You cannot find it if you're just gonna think, well, if I just keep going through life. No, you gotta be with the Father because he will show you your purpose. And when you start to realize that, you don't, you don't get concerned about everybody else's purpose and try to live out theirs when it's not even yours. It wasn't even yours to begin with. Your purpose is different. And it's important for you to live that out and let somebody else worry about their purpose. That's their job. It's their, it's their responsibility. A lot of times we think, well, I have to have this kind of a house, this kind of a job, this kind of uh, paycheck, and, and you know, I, need, I need to post this or say this so that people will pat me on the back and favor me. And we, we start looking for approval in all the wrong places. Let's, let's be careful. That's a dangerous place. When you start looking for the approval from all the wrong places, and then you'll quickly realize that just like the crowd, they may be in favor of you, but they also can turn on you in a second. Jesus found that very, very true. He taught us that and he showed us that. How quickly they were for him and then how quickly they went against him. So quick. What makes you think this world has changed any, any, and from now? I mean, it's really important to, to, to look at this and realize when you realize you are approved by God, when he is for you, even when you're at your worst, starts to help you to walk out his purposes. For Peter, he had to realize God is for me even if I'm not at my best. This is an important thing. And understand that even though it may not be a particular day, it could be a season of life, it could be a situation that you're in. It could be a family issue that you're dealing with. And I felt like as I 
wrote this, that there was a burden upon a parent who your kids have graduated and they're out of your life right now and you feel like you have failed as a parent and that there's nothing you can do. There's a couple of things you can do. Number one, you can pray for your children. Number two, I heard there's a great kids and youth ministry. What better way for you to be a parent than to be a spiritual parent at the house of God? So I've heard of great things about our kids and youth ministry. Praise God, right? Um, all right, so it's, it's good for you to, to understand that God is for you. This is an important thing. And even from John 21, we see God is for Peter, even in the midst of failure. John 21 is one of my favorite chapters. There's so much to dissect here. But in John 21, one of the things that I wanted to point out was that, now remember, Peter has denied Christ. Don't fast forward to the book of Acts. And remember, Peter's in the middle of this. He's in the middle of a crisis, identity crisis. He's in the middle of not, not believing anymore that he was made for this. He was believing that he wasn't anymore. He believed that, my, I can't do this. I could even stand up in front of a few people and say, I, was, I, was, I know him. I couldn't even say that. So don't fast forward, but realize this is where he is. This is the situation. In John 21, it's very interesting that at this point, Jesus had died and resurrected and all is well, right? No, not all is well. It's not the same. Yes, Jesus died and he resurrected. Wonderful. But for Peter, he was still living in failure. He was still dwelling on the fact that he couldn't even announce to somebody that he was following Jesus. And so what does he do? Peter wants to quit. It says in this passage of scripture, we're not going to look at the whole chapter, but it's a very important word. It says he gets in the boat, not a boat. It's the boat. It's a particular boat. It's a specific boat. It's the boat that he went fishing with before Jesus called him. He was going back to his old life, not saying anything's wrong with being a fisherman, but it is there, that wasn't the purpose God had for, for Peter. He had a different calling. Peter, you're supposed to be a preacher. Well, it doesn't look like I could be a preacher because I can't even tell one person about Jesus. So how am I supposed to speak about Jesus when I can't even tell one person about him? I can't even identify with him. So this or, or Peter here in John 21 is like, I'm done. I can't. I'm going to go back. At least I know fishing. I can do that. And so he goes back to that. And is, you have to realize something. When you withdraw from God. It doesn't just affect you. It's going to affect people around you. It's going to affect, you don't even, you may not even realize it. It says, when he withdrew and went into that boat, other disciples joined Peter. Others went in the boat with him. They said, maybe he's right. You see how easily doubt can be infectious, not just in your life, but in other people around you. As soon as you withdraw, you will take people with you. You will discourage maybe your family. You will discourage the church. You will discourage people because you withdrew from God. When you withdraw from church, it will discourage people because it's infectious. And it's important for you to not withdraw, but to draw near. Because watch what Jesus does. Jesus shows up on the shore and he does a similar miracle from the time Peter was first called. It was the fishing miracle. Jesus does a very similar miracle to remind Peter, I have chosen you. And I'm, I'm not abandoning you, I am for you. And he shows up on the shoreline. And I love this. As soon as, I, I don't know, I've heard this tons of times, but this time it just, just jumped out at me. It, that Jesus came closer to Peter 
Jesus did not withdraw from Peter. So when you're at your worst, God is not withdrawing from you. He is actually drawing closer to you. That is a wonderful parent example. When your kids are struggling, they don't need less of you. They need more of you. When you see your kids struggling spiritually or, you're, or they're just struggling in general, pray and ask God, how can you be more of use? How can you be more helpful to them? Don't withdraw from your children. Draw to your children because that's the same kind of love God has for you. When you are at your worst, when you feel like you have failed, when you feel like you can't keep going in a particular situation or you keep, keep dealing with something, God is near. Whether you feel it or not, God is near. And he's for you. But I also loved this. It said, Peter jumped out of the boat and swam to the shore. The other guys rowed their boat to shore. They, they just rowed it. But Peter jumped out. Why did Peter jump out? Like, buddy, just wait five minutes. We will be at the shore. No, Peter thought he was Michael Phelps. He was gonna swim as fast as he can to that shoreline because he wanted to see and be with Jesus. Well, it's important. There's a lot of probably different emotions going on in his brain. I mean, there's just, he's like, I'm sorry, Jesus, I ran, but I'm all in now. So I'm sorry, Jesus, I failed you, but I'm all in. I'm sorry, Jesus, that I couldn't be invincible, but you know what? I realize now you don't need me to be invincible. You need me to be Peter. And, and he just, I can just imagine all the emotions flowing through him as he's swimming to that shore while the other guys are just, they're wondering why in the world is he swimming? But it was a desperation. When you're desperate for God, God will come close to you in a way that you have never seen before. What's even more amazing, when he gets to the shore, Jesus made him breakfast. I bet that was the best seafood he has ever had. All right, I know we may have good seafood here, but having seafood from Jesus, I'm sure is amazing. Jesus makes him breakfast. I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's an amazing thing. And next thing we're gonna look at, so he needs to believe that God is for him, even when he has other words. Second thing is that God is with you. God is with you. And in verses 18, or chapter 18, verses 25 through 27, we read this, that it says, My, meanwhile, Simon Peter was still there warming himself. So they asked him, you aren't one of his disciples too, are you? He denied it saying, I am not. One of the high priest's servants, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, challenged him. This just got awkward, right, for Peter. Didn't I see you with him in the garden? How many know if you see a man cut off a relative's ear, you're gonna know exactly who that individual is? So it's like, a, I'm asking you this question, but I already know the answer. I'm just waiting to see if you actually admit it, right? And it says, again, Peter denied it. I mean, he's just, he doesn't care. And at that moment, a rooster began to crow. And the reason why I brought up Luke 22, because, you know, I'll just summarize it. It's very interesting because G, uh, Peter gets inside the courtyard. Remember, we just read about it, how he was able to get in and see Jesus and be on the outside, but he was still able to see Jesus. In Luke 22, it says, when that happened, the rooster crowed, Jesus made eye contact with Peter. So Jesus was with Peter when he failed. Jesus was with him the entire time. Jesus saw it happen. And this is a, uh, you know, it's one thing to say God is with you when things are going well, but he's with you when things go south very quickly. And this is such a, an amazing thing. And also a very strong encouragement to us that God is with you when you're at your best and he's with you when you're at your worst. But you know what? Remember the parable. He can use both situations to bring about his glory. This is who God is. 
He can take your failure of where you can't even stand in front of two people or three people and preach to a crowd uh, or preach to them about Jesus. But then in Acts 2, you see him standing in front of thousands of people and he starts proclaiming the gospel to them. And we see 3,000 people come to know Christ. That's how God works. He takes what the enemy wanted to do to destroy his life, the doubt, the things that he would say to himself, I'm not made for this. And Jesus said, yes, you are. You are born for this. You were made for this. This is your purpose. This is who you're called to be. This is the man that I have chosen. And you will speak, not just to thousands, but who knows, hundreds of thousands for all we know. And I guarantee you this, his impact has made a huge difference because we're a long way from Jerusalem right now. It's worldwide what, what these disciples were able to do because of God's power. When they stopped believing the lies of the enemy and they realized God can use both, even when I fail him, he can use my failure to help people change. This is a beautiful thing about God. If you don't believe me, I mean, passages of scripture are all over the place about God being with us. Even Matthew 28, the very last thing Jesus says to his disciples is I am with you always. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Not some of the time, not when you're at your best, always. He says, I'm with you always to the very end. Psalm 23, even in the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. I mean, Hebrews 13, five, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. That's a quote from Deuteronomy. Romans 8, 39, nothing can separate me from the love of God. Because why? It's in his very nature that he is with us. Isaiah 7 says he is Emmanuel, which means God with us. It's in his very character. He cannot deny himself. He can't, even like we've said it, even when he's faithful, or when, when we are faithless, he is faithful. He will be faithful to his character and who he is. He is with us. He is not abandoning anybody. But, but Peter had to understand this, and I'll uh, begin to close with this. There are gifts that God had given to Peter in these moments, but Peter could not do it alone. Peter needed people to help him accomplish his purposes. You cannot accomplish the purpose of God on your life doing it alone. Impossible. People need you, and you need people. It's both. You can't say, I'm going to do this thing for God, and I'm going to do it my way, and the only way is, is going to, I'm just going to do it my way, and the only way I'm going to do it is by myself. That ain't going to work. You've got to open up yourself. You've limited your influence if you only surround yourself with people who think like you and talk like you. You have significantly lowered your influence. Look at the disciples, how dysfunctioned they were. I mean, you have Matthew, a tax collector, who's a traitor by culture. How much, how do you, that would bring a lot of drama into the group when you bring him in. How about that? You have Peter who says things without thinking and gets his, basically puts his foot in his mouth all the time. And, and I mean, you got all these guys coming together and you have to understand this is Jesus. This is the son of God. He's perfect in every way. And yet he brings all of them together to show them that I'm for you and I'm with you. And here's, what your, here's where your purpose lies in. If anybody had an excuse to withdraw because of betrayal, because of things said about them, because of things that were painful to endure, if anybody had the excuse to withdraw, it would have been Jesus. Just say, you know what? You figure it out. <laughs> you figure it out. He could have said that to all of them. 
But you know what? He went through betrayal. He went through harsh things that were said about him and to his face. He went through very painful moments and he still opened up his heart to anybody who wanted to come. If he did that, shouldn't we do the same? Regardless of what you've been through, regardless of who has betrayed your trust, regardless of all the pain, I'm not saying you open up your life to anybody and everybody, but don't withdraw and close yourself off from people because they need you, but also you need them in order to fulfill the purpose that God has on your life. Open yourself up and watch how God will use any and every situation, both the good and the bad, to bring about his purpose. This is our God. This is who Jesus is. And he's asking us, do we really believe that? Do you really believe God is for you even when you're at your worst? Do you really believe God is with you even when you're at your worst? It's easy to believe when things are going good, but when things in your life that you know about, maybe nobody else knows, you're saying, I don't know how God is gonna do this. Peter was reminded, I just need to abide in Jesus because that's what he kept telling me to do all the time. Abide in him, abide in him, abide in him. And when I love God, I'll love the people that he died for. And that's such a a beautiful thing. So regardless of where you are today, you know, we don't do announcements just as a filler. We do these announcements because we want you to show the activity of God. We want you to see God is moving and we need you on board. You know, it's such an important thing. You know, there's, there's, there's so many ways to be a part of something, be involved in a ministry, be involved involved in, a, in a, a small group, a connect group. There's so many different ways that you can do that. And we encourage you to do that because it's hard to know what's going on in the church. It's hard to understand the decisions of the church if you're not on board, if you're not moving with us. You know, I heard one person tell me once, they says, you know, it's easy to know what's going on in the church when they're paddling in the boat. But the most critical people are the ones who aren't doing any of the paddling. They're just busy rocking the boat. They're busy trying to, to show everybody and tell everybody what's wrong because their focus is on rocking it. Their focus isn't on rowing the boat. When you put your head down and you say, you know what, I'm gonna do this because this is what God has called me to do. You know, don't push it off to other people. That's what a lot of people said. The church should do this. The church should do that. You're the church, aren't you? So shouldn't you do it? God's calling you to it. I'm sorry, that probably hit a little harder. That was all the love and, res- and all the love I say that simply because I want, you to, I want you to fulfill God's purpose. I believe that you can do it because he's called you to it. And if he's brought it to you, then maybe he's calling you to do it. And I think God's gonna do it because where you're weak in, he'll be strong. Amen, amen, amen. Let's bow our heads this morning. We're gonna, we're gonna pray and a worship team's gonna lead us in a song today. And if you're here and you wanna receive Christ, we encourage you to fill out your connect card that's in your bulletin that says, today I wanna receive Christ. If you wanna do what Peter did, just to say, you know what, Lord? I need you and I'm desperate for you. I wanna live out the purpose that you have for me. Then you can mark that off today. If you're here today and you need to open up your life again, not just to the things of God, but to people. Maybe there's been some hurt. Maybe there's been some heartache, some pain, some betrayal, all those different things. Just remember that Jesus loves you and he loves everybody around you. 
Open up your life so that God can use you because you'll miss the miraculous stories that God is doing. You'll miss it all. And we don't want you to miss it. And God definitely doesn't want you to miss it either. So this morning, as, as we pray, if you're on the prayer teams, you can make your way forward. If you're a small group leader, you can make your way over to the table. And we encourage you to join these groups. If you're on the prayer team, if you can just come on my right, I'm gonna pray for you. The worship team's gonna lead us in the song as we go today. Um, and you guys can, can worship the Lord. You can go to the connect group tables, find out some things uh, about what's going on. We want you to be a part of it because we believe the best is yet to come for your life. So we're gonna pray and then you, we can be dismissed. Will you stand with me this morning?